The Carolina Panthers end the 2023 season by making NFL history, but it's the worst kind of history as the Panthers are the first ever 2-15 team, and thank God the 2023 season has mercifully come to an end. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council. Unfortunately, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube, where I am live one final time this season. You can also check out the show wherever you listen to your favorite podcast free and available everywhere and be sure to follow me julian council on twitter at julian council where i will continue to answer your weekly mailbag questions throughout the offseason but instead of wednesday gonna push it back to the weekly friday mailbag so either at me or dm me over on twitter at julian council but first go ahead and come on click the follow button there at julian council on Twitter. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers, that could be you, get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. The Carolina Panthers, zero. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, nine. Congratulations to Baker Mayfield, Todd Bowles, Mike Evans, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because the second year in a row, the Carolina Panthers have handed them the NFC South division title. That's three straight division titles for the Tampa Bay Bucs. So congrats, I guess, to the Bucs. And congrats to you and to me and to all the Panther fans out there that this season is finally over. My, oh, my. Whew, you know... It is a blessing and a curse to cover the Carolina Panthers in particular. I remember being back in college when I was a senior and just ready to get the hell out of there. Been there for four years, sick of seeing people I didn't want to see anymore. And also, I thought about it, okay, study journalism, I want to work in sports. One day, my life will be talking about a sports team. How fun will that be? So I was just ready to get out of going to these meaningless classes and just get to the real world and pay bills, but talk about sports, and that would be the way I'd pay my bills. So I certainly am blessed to be here covering the Carolina Panthers for a third season in a row. Thank you to Locked On, Ross Jackson, David Locke, and all the folks over at the network that have given me this opportunity. Thank you to everyone here who has tuned in to support the show from day one with the podcast, watching the show on YouTube. I am grateful thankful to be doing this and wouldn't trade it for very many things out there uh, in the world. But man, it was a tough year. Not going to lie. I am sure I am someone's worst enemy out there. And I'm sure that person is regretting wishing this on me because I would not wish this on anyone and any of you out there to have to endure what we have endured so far this, oh, not so far, all season long with the Carolina Panthers becoming the first team in NFL history to finish a season Two and 15. I really thought that maybe they could get that third win, that it could happen. And well, it didn't. So here we are. Record holders. All right. 
hey, if you're going to be the worst, why not be the worst all time? Why not take all the records of being the worst? So congratulations to the 2023 Carolina Panthers, whose head coach Frank Reich was fired six weeks ago as a team sat at 1-10 and and now, of course, is 2-15. and The Panthers last week at Jacksonville, a team that just gagged a playoff spot in AFC South Division title, losing five of their last six games. This, that is a team that blew out the Panthers 26 to nothing last week, then went to Tennessee and lost this afternoon to Ryan Tannehill playing in his swan song for the Tennessee Titans. And Mike Vrabel maybe not even being the Titans head coach come Monday morning, depending on how that situation plays down there in Nashville. The Panthers were shut out by that Jags team. For the first time since 2002, they were shut out in a football game, breaking the second longest streak in the NFL. The team that holds the longest streak is the Baltimore Ravens, who are the top seed in the AFC. The Panthers are shut out once again. So it's not just the Panthers were the worst team since the NFL has gone to 17-game schedule, but they now have the great honor of having a shutout streak. The last team to do that are the 2008 Cleveland Browns. That's right, folks. Your favorite team are the Browns now. The Carolina Panthers are the NFL's Cleveland Browns. No longer is there Dan Snyder to embarrass the league and the Washington Commanders. In is their new owner. And in is David Tepper taking the mantle of the worst owner in the NFL. And the Carolina Panthers taking the mantle as the worst franchise in the NFL because of his ineptitude. Or as Scott Fowler, the Charlotte Observer, has coined it, his ineptitude. My oh why. I really hope brighter days are ahead. But this really... This day was a microcosm of the entire season for the Carolina Panthers. At no point did the Carolina Panthers score on their opening drive. They have not done that in 18 games. Last time they did was against these Buccaneers last year, Week 17, in that de facto NFC-style title game. But the last 18 games, no dice as far as scoring a touchdown on the opening drive. Should have done it, I think, against Minnesota, but they weren't able to do it. The Panthers, at no point this season, led in the fourth quarter, which makes it all the more impressive that they won two games. This team beat the Texans. The only case against D'Amico Ryans not being the NFL coach of the year is his team losing to the Carolina Panthers. Great job by the Texans winning division, and that is exactly what the Carolina Panthers could have had. They could have had D'Amico Ryans, could have had C.J. Stroud. I'm still looking at everything that was around Bryce Young. I'm going to give him time. The organization's obviously going to give him time as well. But boy, David Tepper, so weird and a miss yet again by the owner and looking at Thomas Brown who after three games fans are saying enough of Frank Reich bring in Thomas Brown clearly he knows what to do nine games Thomas Brown as your play caller the man that you were begging for early on in the season nine games 10 offensive touchdowns five games without a single touchdown and two shutouts, the first two shutouts here in franchise history in 22 seasons. That is the guy that you were begging for early on in the season. My God. But again, microcosm of the season, the wide receivers here in Carolina, I felt like going into the season after they got rid of DJ Moore, that it was going to be a problem. I wanted after they traded DJ Moore away to get the number one overall pick to wait to see what the world looked like a couple weeks into free agency. And the Panthers did about as best as you thought they could have at the time, getting DJ Chark, getting Adam Thielen, who actually had a terrific season at age 33. I don't think anyone expected him to have over 100 receptions, over 1,000 yards. Kudos to him. Um, 
but this was not a good wide receiver core. And I felt like they would leave us wanting more all season long. Did not think it would be this bad. Did not think they would suck this bad. And my, oh my, they were horrible. DJ Chark. Two weeks ago, people were asking me on the mailbag, you know what, DJ Chark had a great catch against Atlanta in that win. Looked really good with the great throws by Bryce Young, but also some toe drag swag. Looked good against the Packers. Maybe we should ignore the first 13 games of the season where he was terrible and bring him back next year. Give the guy a second chance. You want to give him a a second chance now? DJ Chark, Bryce Young's able to make a play out of structure. One of the things that we saw him do time after time back at Alabama. One of the reasons why the Carolina Panthers wanted to draft him number one. Bryce Young finds DJ Moore on the sideline, throws a strike. DJ Moore, sorry, DJ Chark. My God, I'm sorry. DJ Moore, his family, everyone out there, University of Maryland, I apologize for putting your name in the same name. DJ Chark, I'm confusing you. I'm sorry. That's not what happened. But DJ Chark, excuse me. DJ Chark catches the ball, races down the sideline. He's going to the end zone, dives in, and gets the ball knocked out by Antoine Winfield Jr., who should have been a pro bowler just like Derrick Brown, and he fumbles in the end zone. It's recovered by Jamel Dean. So what would have been a 43-yard touchdown reception ends up being yet another example why DJ Chark is a terrible wide receiver at this stage in his career in the NFL and why the Carolina Panthers made an awful decision by bringing him in and how he has no value to this franchise or really any of the 31 franchises as one of their top receivers moving forward throughout the rest of his career, however long that may be. So DJ Chark, thankfully, will never have to see you again in a Carolina Panthers uniform. I appreciate the hard work, your services, but goodbye. Best of luck in your future endeavors. I wish you good fortune in the wars to come. Not just DJ Chark, y'all, but also let's look at the illegal formation that brought back a 28-yard run by Raheem Blackshear. Terrace Marshall Jr., remember him? Second-round pick out of LSU back in 2021. We had high hopes for him, especially after what we saw last season in the last 11 games when they turn around the season. They're right there on the cusp of winning the division. Terrace Marshall, there were some good thoughts. But this coaching staff told you pretty early on, I don't know, we're not really all, all in on Terrace Marshall. Why did we know that? Because they went out there and got Jonathan Mingo, who was among one of the worst rookie receivers in the NFL this season, gets no separation, third worst catch percentage, just not a good player. But he has time. Terrace Marshall, out of time. Healthy scratch, six straight weeks, gets a jersey today, and can't even line up correctly. Fundamental stuff that Jonathan Vilma, who you guys don't like, Jonathan Vilma was pointing out fundamental stuff that you learned when you were playing Pop Warner football, Terrace Marshall can't even do at the NFL level. There's a reason why he wasn't playing, and there's a reason why he should not be back here next year, and that reason is, well, what we saw today. So two touchdowns brought back because one receiver can't protect the football, and the other just can't simply line up correctly. And that's, that's not forget about Stephon Sullivan. Can't catch the football. Great throw by Bryce Young. A little bit wobbly. I don't know what the deal with that was. But right in his hands. Goes right through his hands. He can't catch. Thielen, don't really want to slander him. Had a bad drop. That's what Bryce Young's been dealing with all season long. You can sit and look at Bryce. You can criticize him all you want. But his receiving play was god-awful all year. They're terrible. And the only guy that you can bring back next year or have any confidence in is Adam Thielen, who really should be your third wide receiver. And throughout the season, you should be trying to phase him out because there should be guys stepping up and being better. I don't have a lot of confidence in Jonathan Mingo. The one coach who wanted him here, Sean Jefferson, well, let's see. It's 427 right now live 
we're pretty close. By this time tomorrow, his key card ain't going to work there at Andrew South Bench Street. So the guy who wanted to draft him ain't going to be here. So why should John Domingo stick around when he clearly isn't very good at all? Moving on. The things that we saw all season long. The offensive line cannot protect. Bryce Young sacked three more times today. Sacked 62 times this season. There is one positive that comes from this, though. What was one of the big concerns about Bryce Young? His durability. Even though Bryce Young, two years to start Alabama, was never injured except for the one time where on his own he fell on his shoulder wrong against Arkansas, missed a game against AM, Milro. Hmm, interesting. Jalen Miller, first time we got to see him, he went out there and helped them win the game. Then Bryce comes back and throws for 400-plus against Tennessee in an epic third Saturday in October game between Bama and the Vols. Bryce Young was durable throughout his college career. It wasn't like Tua, who had the serious hip and the ankle needing tightrope surgery. It wasn't like that at all. The dude was fine. And he came into the NFL, took a beating, and the only time he missed time was that mysterious ankle injury. Still don't know what the hell that was. I'm going to believe that was real. I don't know. Um, but Bryce Young, he held up. Didn't have a significant injury. Not going to have to rehab all offseason as, as far as we know right now. But that's a good thing. He survived. The offensive line, seven different left guards, eight different right guards. You're not going to have success. But Iki Aquanu, my goodness, y'all. And this is one of the things we talk about the offensive line's inability to protect. Thomas Brown. He may not be good at this right now, might not have the, the pieces to have a successful offense, but you could tell how afraid he is to throw the ball even on third and medium. It's a third and five after the Carolina Panthers had their best field position of the day in the third quarter. ISM got a 29-yard punt return, got the Panthers to the 46. Panthers got the ball down the field. They were in range to potentially go kick a field goal, get a touchdown, third and five after they converted fourth down. Bryce Young gets sacked. Matthew Wright, who was elevated from the practice squad because uh, Eddie Pinheiro was out with the hamstring injury that cost him last week's game, misses a 52-yard field goal because they cannot rely on this offensive line to protect even on a third and five. We saw it all season long. The good thing is Bryce survived. Another thing we saw all season long, the defense, especially post by, they did their best, y'all. Derek Brown, hat tip, pay the man. He was outstanding this season. Crossed the 100 tackle threshold, set the NFL record for the most tackles by a defensive lineman in a single season. Now the NFL began tracking the stat back in 1994, so it's possible someone way back when had more tackles, but I doubt it. Derek Brown is a monster. He is someone that you can build around. If David Tepper gets out of his own way and stops making all the mistakes he's made so far as the Carolina Panthers owner. Uh, you also look at, let's see, Derek Brown recorded his own. Yeah, he had, sack, he had two sacks this season. Brian Burns, down year for him. Eight sacks. Now, it's not only sacks, about pressures, all that. We weren't, we're not going to look at this as a great season for Brian Burns. He certainly regressed from what he had done the last couple of years. But eight sacks, that is uh, only better than his rookie season where he had seven and a half sacks. The one thing, too, about the defense, as Good as they play. They were great in the red zone today. They only gave up three field goals. Baker did not look good. They got some pressure on him throughout the day, sacked him three times. But as much as they're able to do there, they just don't come away with the key takeaway. And they had four opportunities on Sunday to come away with a key takeaway for the offense to not do anything with it, but they weren't able to do that. They were last in league in takeaways. The one, one of the games that they won this season was because of two takeaways against the Falcons. They were great today. But they could have been, they were good today, but they could have been great had they been able to get those takeaways. But I'm not going to blame the defense. Nine points, three field goals. That should be enough to win in the NFL. Unless you're the 2023 Carolina Panthers, who for the first time in NFL history finished 2 and 15.
2019. All right, so on Friday, I did Keys of Victory. I'm going to review that one more time. Just put a button on the game, on this season, as far as this conversation goes. And then we can move on to a few of the intel. And I was uh, actually talking to somebody today who is an NFL insider and just ask him a little bit about where the Panthers go from here. So I'll give you my Keys of Victory review. Stay tuned later because we're going to talk about what the Carolina Panthers do moving forward here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. David Tepper, are you listening? That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and you like this, Dave, for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring easy. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one. And delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or the resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You survived the Carolina Panthers 2023 season. Go ahead, print the shirts. I'm sure someone out there will do it. I think the Roaring Riot uh, during the 2020 offseason when we saw Greg Olson go to Seattle, Luke Keekley retire, Colin Jones, he left as well. Of course, Cam Newton was given permission to seek a trade that the Roaring Riot put out a T-shirt saying, I survived the 2020 offseason. Little did we know that it was only going to be worse from there, unfortunately. So go ahead, pat yourself on the back. If you hung in there, you watched all the games, you suffered through a team that you love, but a team that does not love you back for whatever reason, and an owner who damn sure does not give a bleep about you. So hopefully things will be better in the offseason, but I don't have all that much confidence that will be the case, y'all. But positive vibes, positive vibes, think positive. I'm trying to think positive, but... There's so much empirical evidence against it, it's hard to do that. Okay, so keys of victory. Did that pretty much every Friday throughout the season. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you do, let me know. If you didn't, let me know because I'm always looking for some listener feedback as far as how to do shows throughout the season, but I had a nice routine there. But going back to Friday, keys of victory. We're going to do this pretty quickly. Then take another break, then we can get into some of the meat and potatoes of what the NFO insiders are talking about this weekend. But number one, they need the lean on the run game. The Panthers absolutely wanted to do that, and they absolutely tried to do that. Listen to Chris Tabor, the Panthers' interim head coach, on Sunday after the game. He talked about they need to establish off the run, and he felt like they did, and I agree. The Panthers ran the ball on eight of their 11 first-quarter plays. The three pass plays they had, one of them was completion to Chuba Hubbard, who, of course, is a running back, and then the two other pass plays were a drop by Stephon Sullivan and then Bryce Young being sacked on third down to start the game which is basically what we've seen, again, all season long, 62 different occasions, but he kept getting up, thank God. Uh, For the game, the Carolina Panthers carried the ball 29 times for 131 yards, 4.5 yards per carry. That is exactly what they were doing the previous couple weeks. The first time against Tampa, then they did it against New Orleans, somehow losing that game, and then they did it against 
Atlanta in the wind and couldn't really run the football that well against Green Bay. Didn't need to because they threw the ball terrifically that afternoon. Couldn't run the ball at all against Jacksonville, but got back to what this team really does best, and that's run the ball. That's what the offensive line does best, even with Nash Jensen in at left guard and Gabe Jackson there at right guard. That's what they can do. Get downhill, try to run, and they had success doing that against Buccaneers, a team they had success running against back in Week 13 in that loss down in Tampa. Bryce Young, as far as his stats for the game, 11 of 18, 94 yards. Sacked three times at a 74.8 rating, which is actually better than Baker Mayfield. I thought Bryce was fine. His receivers couldn't catch the ball. He didn't get any um, protection. He also had receivers running the wrong routes. DJ Chark. (laughs) Chark, he fumbled the ball going to the end zone, and he also ran the wrong route, and it almost ended in a pick six. What is this guy doing? The second thing I needed the Carolina Panthers to do was to make the big play or avoid the big play. They had made the big play of DJ Chark, as we noted, but fumbled the ball. Head into the end zone. And it's one of those things, Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports put this out there, that no one's complaining about the ball being fumbled in the end zone. Now, it didn't go out of bounds, but that is kind of an example of why if a player on offense fumbles the ball into the end zone and goes out of bounds, why it should go to the defense. You don't protect the football, so you don't deserve to keep the ball back. And the end zone is different. That's the only place you can actually score. So I, I do think it should be as punitive as it is, not trying to really start a debate. But what DJ Moore did, players as bad as DJ Moore deserve to be punished in that situation. And he was punished. The team was punished. And unfortunately, that cost Carolina Panthers uh, the game on Sunday afternoon. The illegal formation, you made a big play. Raheem Blackshear, who looked pretty good today. Would have been nice maybe seeing him a little bit more this season, especially with Miles Sanders not looking great early on in the year. And they had talked so highly. And this thing, it's a bunch of bull. Anytime you hear these guys talk about during OTAs, mandatory minicamp, about, oh, how this player looks like that and this and blah, blah. It's all a bunch of smoke. They're they're BSing you. Don't buy into it because they're saying how much they love Raheem Blackshear and you barely saw Raheem Blackshear this season when he probably was your second best running back considering that Miles Sanders wasn't good at all for the Carolina Panthers. And part of that is the groin injury that cost him time uh, in the in the preseason. And part of it's also just wasn't a fit. Wasn't good. So, yeah. So they had an opportunity to make those big plays. And, of course, on the next play after the touchdowns call back because Terrace Marshall can't line up on side, or correctly, rather, Joe Tryon Shinka, he forced a fumble. And guess who he beat? You'll never guess. Ike Aquano. Ike Aquano got beat. I believe it's his 19th sack he gave up this year. That is a situation that is just not one you can confidently go into the 2024 season with unless there's, like, a significant jump. I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what they're going to do at left tackle. Because it's not as simple as go get another left tackle. The Panthers have been doing, trying to do that for a decade, over a decade now, trying to find someone to replace Jordan Gross. And are they going to have to do it again this offseason? Is that going to be another checkbox or check another box on the, on the list that they got to check off? Got to hope not. But with Icky, the way he's played, it's hard not to feel that way. And I talk about the defense. You talk about the make the big play, avoid the big play. And they avoided the big plays. The Bucks didn't do anything. Baker Mayfield was not good. He had Mike Evans open for a touchdown and just underthrew him severely. And it was one of those underthrows that did not end with a defensive pass interference, which I always hate how that happens. I call it the Patriots offense. It's what Tom Brady did his entire career, which is throw it deep and the wrestle bail us out because they're New England. Uh, but they they had missed they had opportunities to get missed turnover to get a turnover. Excuse me. Baker Mayfield opening drive double pumps on the throw to Trey Palmer and throws it late. J.C. Horn. 
couldn't come up with the interception, needed to come up with that. Baker, a second time, there's a bad throw, ball over the middle that was dropped by Deion Jones, got to come up with that. Trey Palmer fumbled, and that's one of the things where it's an oblong object, the football, and that was recovered by the Bucks center, Robert Hainsey, and in the fourth time, Derek Brown hit Baker Mayfield's arm, and J.C. Horn, another opportunity to get the interception, couldn't do it. You come up with those four turnovers, then it's possibly a different game here on Sunday, but also if you don't turn it over and don't have another touchdown callback because you can't line up properly, it's a different game. But that's the Carolina Panthers in a nutshell. And the third thing was don't let Baker Mayfield beat you, which he did. Not really. 20-32, 137 yards, 72.0 rating. Worse rating than Bryce Young. Did not really even play better than Bryce. He's just on a better team than Bryce. And his team made enough plays, didn't shoot themselves in the foot like the Panthers did, and they came out with victory. And I thought Baker was off the Panthers' payroll. Apparently he's not. He earned $3.2 million in bonuses thanks to the win and the Bucks going to the playoffs. So that is the keys uh, to victory review. But moving forward, what did the Carolina Panthers do? David Tepper. What's your deal, bro? Are you going to get it figured out or not? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but wrapped up here in Carolina. But there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. You heard me right. That's $150 in bonus bets when or lose. The app is so easy to use and there's so many different ways to bet like live same game parlays, find bets in the new explore tab, make a parlay in the parlay hub, the best way to find popular parlays, you guessed it, and more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. So what now for the Carolina Panthers? We will find out shortly, I would hope, whether Scott Fitter will remain as the Carolina Panthers general manager. It came out on Saturday from Adam Schefter of ESPN.com that there is some momentum. Not really momentum, but there is. Let's, let me just read it verbatim here. Adam Schefter, this is what he wrote on Saturday. He said, owner David Tepper already has fired coach Frank Reich and some of his his assistant coaches may now expect that general manager Scott Fitter will be next, according to league sources. To help him guide his franchise for the future, Tepper has been working with the consulting firm Sportsology, led by former Chelsea Football Club executive Mike Forty. Should he fire Fitter, Tepper then would have a clean slate to offer a prospective head coach and GM, though Panthers assistant general manager Dan Morgan also has support within the organization, according to sources. So we'll see. Will Dan Morgan be the next general manager? Will Samir Suleiman stay around? Will the rest of the front office stick here in Carolina? Is it only Scott Fitterer? And there's not much of an argument to keep Fitterer. I think, and now I'm not trying to sit here and advocate for the man to lose his job, because I, I do, looking at him as a human being, such as myself, and I know he's made a lot more money, and I get that, but a dude spent his entire life working to be the general manager. Unfortunately, he made a bad choice by coming to Carolina and having a meddling owner. And this is what's worked out. He also has not done a great job in evaluating talent through the draft, hasn't done a great job with the trades, the contracts. He has himself to blame, but he also has other people to blame for his failure here in Carolina. But it's a collective failure, and with collective failures, there come consequences, and those typically are guys losing their jobs. So Scott Fitterer, it's probably time for him to go. It's unfortunate. Feel for him. I do. I just don't see, for the Panthers' best interest, why they would bring him back. And looking at some of the roster issues here and some of the questions we have about the roster, 
it's possible that Scott Fitter wants to stick with some of these guys. I just think that they need to bring in a new general manager, bring in a new head coach, just clean slate it, and hopefully David Tepper gets out of the way. And we're looking at a head coach. Like, who's it going to be? Ben Johnson and Jonathan Jones, CBS Sports, he said that it's the worst-kept circuit in the league. That That's who David Tepper wants. Diana Rossini uh, from The Athletics said this on Saturday. Owner David Tepper is going to try again with Ben Johnson. According to league sources, the play caller is open to the job. And will also be meeting with other teams that are expected to show interest. Source said there's a sense around the league that general manager Scott Fitter may help with some of the transition but still may not be safe in his job. Carolina could be starting anew. That is interesting that she puts there at the end. It just feels so scuzzy for Scott Fitter to stick around, help David Tepper find a new head coach, and then for David Tepper then to get rid of him right after that. I don't think it should be the new head coach's decision whether Scott Fitter should stick around. It should really just be David Tepper deciding, let's just do a clean slate. And maybe you're probably thinking to yourself, why would you let it be David Tepper's decision? Well, unfortunately, all these things are David Tepper's decision. Just start anew. No reason to have Fitter sit there and help you. He helped you find Frank Reich last year and how that work out. I just think that just move on. Go find a new general manager. Go get a head coach. Pair those two together and make sure that is a working relationship that can be something beneficial for all parties and then have David Tepper take a back seat. Really, what I think is they should hire a president of football operations to then go out there and use their connections to get a GM, then a head coach, and have David Tepper just cut the checks. Just own the team. You don't need to try and handle football operations, David Tepper. Own the team. That's it. That's all you really need to be doing right now. And I think with the search firm, he's trying to, at least as far as the optics go, show that he is trying a new approach. And I don't have a problem with the approach they took last year. The first time around with Matt Rule, I didn't necessarily appreciate that because he barely talked to anybody. They went down to Waco, had the meatballs, Marty Herney, and they're like, this is my guy. And rightfully so, they didn't speak to Josh McDaniels. He's a terrible head coach. But I would have appreciated them talking to more people that cycle. I liked that he cast a wide net last year. I don't like that he didn't hire the coach that he had right here in Carolina last year in Steve Wilkes to be his head coach, but I appreciated that he talked to as many candidates as possible, had more people in the organization involved this time around than he did the first time around. I was okay with that. I think search firms are a freaking grift, man. I need to start a search firm because these colleges, these NFL people are so stupid that they can't come up with their own list. That's what they're going to give them. The NFL PA, the players just gave you a list this week telling you who of the special team coordinators, the offensive coordinators, and the defensive coordinators they believe are good coaches and should get an opportunity to be a head coach. And two of them are currently on your staff. Now, Thomas Brown, in, in no way, shape, or form, should be the head coach here in Carolina. I don't think Chris Tabor should be at all either. But still, they just gave you a list. And that's what the search firm is going to do. So this is why I decided to text somebody who is an NFL insider and asked him, because you see this person, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but you see him on TV on Sundays. I asked him, so what's the point of the search firm, if Tepper is thirsty for Ben Johnson, those were my words. The person said, because Ben is going to turn him down. So the whole Diana Rossini saying Ben Johnson's open to the job, he's open to hearing how much money David Tepper is willing to throw at him and whether he loves the state of North Carolina that much. And I saw something from Axios Charlotte that apparently like 46% of the people percent of the, 46% of the people who live in the state aren't even from North Carolina originally. So <laughs> it's a totally different North Carolina. Um, but maybe he's going to come here, but it's not. 
According to this person, Ben Johnson's going to turn him down. That's why David Tepper is doing the search firm. And I said, well, yeah, what is a search firm going to do? Just hand him a list of coaches? Didn't the NFLPA just do that? He said, I mean, he can't really win right now, that being David Tepper. He's had two different committees and gotten it wrong, so he throws some money at a firm to make it look good publicly. But no one will ever know if he ever even listens to the firm. And I said to him, to this person, right, at the end of the day, it's his decision, but I guess the optics of him appearing to change is, in ways are more important. How much damage did the cup throw do? He said nothing, no one didn't, no, nothing, no one didn't already know as far as David Tepper goes. So the cup throw didn't change perception of David Tepper because people already didn't have a positive perception of him, and he's going to do the search firm, but that does not mean that the search firm, he's going to listen to him. The search firm is going to come up with a list of candidates, and they're going to tell David Tepper who they think he should hire. David Tepper does not have to do that. He could decide, I want to get this guy. If they come up to David Tepper and tell him that he should hire, say, who's a top, who's a top candidate? I was going to say Dan Quinn, but I know that that's not going to go over well in Carolina because he's a Falcons head coach. Who's a defensive guy? Say Lou Anarumo. He was somebody that late in the cycle last year teams were interested in. He's had some pretty good defenses there in Cincinnati. He's helped him get to the Super Bowl and got to the AFC Championship game last year. Say he tells them to hire Lou Anarumo, who, good defensive coach, knows some guys there with the Big Bay Tree, having worked there with Zach uh, Taylor in Cincinnati. Is David Tepper going to listen? Or is he going to be so laser-focused on, I need to have Ben Johnson, I need to have an offensive coach? I just wonder what self-respecting offensive coach, or coach at all, wants to take this job here in Carolina. Like, if the search firm last year would have came back to him and said, hey, you should take D'Amico Ryan's, would he have listened? If the D'Amico Ryan's of the cycle is available and a search firm says that's who you should take, is David Tepper going to do that? Or is he just going to do what he wants to do, which is a clearly hire Ben Johnson? And when it comes to – because apparently he used that search firm for the soccer team, Charlotte FC. I find that to be completely different. Soccer is a global game. Football, really, what it's actually called, is a global game. The National Football League, it might be on across the country, but not every country is laser-focused on the game of American football. And Come on. So we, we understand there's differences. The talent pool for coaches is pretty finite when it comes to the NFL. Like you're looking at maybe college, like a Jim Harbaugh, and then you're looking at the coaching staffs here in the NFL currently. There's not a lot of places you're going to find a head coach. Where with soccer, you can find a head coach anywhere in the world. So... That makes way more sense why he would use a search firm for that after he failed spectacularly, having 18 months to find a head coach, and he got a complete narcissist who only lasted 14 matches. But with the football team, I don't think it's necessary, but if he wants to waste his money on that, go go ahead. But just because he spends money on it and they give him a recommendation does not mean that he will take that recommendation. So you can look at the search firm, think it's a step in the right direction. Optically it is, but in actual practice, will it be? Only time will tell. I am not confident in David Tepper. I am not confident in the future of the Carolina Panthers because of David Tepper until we just see it play out positively. That's what's going to have to change. Just going to have to see David Tepper hire somebody and that person go out there, be able to make their own decisions, not hear reports of David Tepper meddling and go out and win football games. Until it happens, I don't have much confidence. Well, much. I don't have any confidence, but i am got to keep doing this podcast. So i got to believe as much as I can. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, and I'm sure you guys don't have confidence anyways. So there we are. 2-15, and 15, David Tepper has no clue what he's doing. But the hope is that he can 
get it figured out. Because if he doesn't, well, this will be the reality year after year after year. And I'm sure that you and I and anyone who's a Carolina Panthers fan does not want that to be the case. But um, I'm going to wrap up the show here. And I just want to say thank you. I got 164 people live here with me right now on YouTube as a wrap-up. Appreciate all the Panther fans out there who have listened to the podcast, watched podcasts throughout the regular season. Of course, this is a podcast that goes throughout the year. So I'm going to keep doing this every Monday through Friday. Once you get to the summer, there'll be three shows during that time. But I'm going to continue doing this throughout the offseason. A lot to talk about as far as Tepper's next steps, the coaching search, the likely general manager search, free agency, the draft, OTAs. There's a lot going to go on here. It's going to be another interesting offseason. One that was probably going to fill our hearts, our hearts of hope again. So I appreciate everybody who's tuned in for the show. If you love it, I thank you for that. If you hate it, I thank you for hate watching. It doesn't matter to me. Really appreciate everybody who tunes into the show and allows me to be able to do this because if people weren't watching or listening, then lockdown would tell me to hit the road. And maybe some of you people want me to hit the road. If you do, then just don't watch or listen. That will be the easiest way to get rid of me. But I appreciate everyone again for tuning in throughout the season. It's been a rough one. And I hope brighter days ahead. I'm not sure, but I hope. Little Orphan Annie always said the sun will come out tomorrow. Tomorrow. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where I'll be back next Friday answering your weekly Friday mailbag questions. Going to be doing that throughout the offseason. Either at me or DM me over on Twitter, at Julian Council, to get those questions in to me now. But in the meantime, be safe. Be happy, be whole. As always, y'all, I got it right here. Keep pounding.